Jesus, we thank you and we give you glory. Hallelujah. And all the church says, Amen, Amen, Amen. All right, let's go to the book of 1 John chapter 5 tonight. Say Amen when you're there. It's been a great book. I tell you what, I picked this book because it only had five chapters in it. Here we are going into our ninth week, I think. I'm telling you, man, I've been so excited about this book. It's a great book for a five, five chapters, man. It packs a punch. I mean, there's so much in it. And, um, as we know, the, you've heard me say week after week, the apostle John, our dear brother in the Lord, he was the oldest apostle that walked with Jesus. He was the last one to leave the earth and go to glory. Almost a hundred years old might be the last inspiration of scripture that was ever written first john and um remember our little outline chapters one and two teach us how to walk in the light chapters three and four teach us how to walk in the love of god and then chapter five is going to teach us how to walk or be in the life of god john loved those words he used those words all the time in his gospel as well when he wrote the gospel according to john Light, life, and love. Very important words to him. And, um, you know, light speaks of truth. And we know that the love is not an eros love or a brotherly love. It's an agape, unconditional love. And, um, And we'll be learning about the life of God. You know... The thing I like about John is he's a very simple man. Paul is completely on the other side. Paul is a deep thinker. And you Paul, you can tell Paul's a lawyer. You can tell John's a fisherman. I mean, this is just a very simple letter, and oftentimes he repeats himself. And um, if you could sum up, you know, the uh, his letter or his intentions, he's always made his intentions clear how, how many of you like the kind of people that when you're with them you know the, what their intentions are they're clear they're not holding anything back amen and um and he said uh in verse go all the way to chapter one real fast i'm just giving you a little summary here of what what this book's about now he says In verse 1 of chapter 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and which we have looked upon, and which our hands have handled, the word of life. In verse 3, he says, And that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So John pretty much basically wanted us to have the same fellowship with the Lord as he did. And that's why he wrote this book. His intention was, his goal was that we might have the same fellowship with the Lord as the apostles did. Now, that's pretty heavy because sometimes I tend to put those guys up on a pedestal. And maybe that they got somewhere with the Lord 
that I'm not able to get to. But he made it very clear in verse 3 that his intentions are that we do go to the same place with the Lord that he did. All right? So that's kind of the, uh, that's the summary of the entire intention of this book. And we've made it all the way to chapter 5. And we'll begin there tonight. And it says, whosoever, say I'm a whosoever. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. Powerful. Let's just chew on that for one more. One more, take another bite of that. Everyone that loves him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. Who did, who was begotten? Jesus was begotten, right? And who begat? The Father did, all right? For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, this is an interesting phrase here, and this is why you've heard me preach many times on on the version that I have in my hands tonight, but I love the text here. I love the words. I love the word begotten. It's such a beautiful word. And I remember John 3.16 was the first verse that my daddy taught me how to memorize. For God so loved the world. But then he said to me, he said, son, don't stop at 16. You got to go to 17 too. Because 17 is just as important as 16. For he did not come into the world to condemn the world. But that through him the world might be saved. Amen. You know, a lot of people think that God is just a big a person that just wants to point the finger. And, boy, if you read any bit of John's letters or books, you'll know that that is not the case. So, the father begat, the son was begotten. How many have ever been to Jerusalem? (coughs) All right, praise the Lord, a few of you. Now, up on the Temple Mount, what do they have up there? What is, what is built on the Temple Mount? So, uh, supposedly the Temple Mount. The Dome of the Rock, right? Okay. Excuse me. Now, it is a myth, and most people think this way. You may think this way, you may not. But it is a myth that the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims worship the same God. That Allah is Jehovah. And Allah is not Jehovah. Okay? As a matter of fact, the Muslims, at the heart of their religion, they make a pilgrimage to Saudi Arabia, to Mecca, and they march around a black stone, which is idolatry. They worship a black stone. As a matter of fact, if you trace back the roots of it, Allah is not Jehovah. Allah is a moon god. That Abraham used to worship when he was in Terah. And when God called him out and said, get thee out of here. 
He says, you will have no other gods but me. He was declaring that Jehovah was God, not the God, the moon God. That's why they have the crescent as the symbol there. Now, I bring all this up to say this. We cannot coexist because they refutely say. Now, if you go to the Dome of the Rock and you can read Arabic and you read the inscriptions that are on there. Let me get my little thing here. It says this. um, Do I have that picture there? Let me see if I can get this picture up here. screenshot this up here for you guys so you know what I'm talking about. So first John All right. Now if we go up here where we have chapter 5 guys see that can you guys see that right there all right well you see all those little inscriptions that they have there that's arabic i've always thought that arabic looks like spaghetti noodles spaghetti noodles but that's the writing right so there's writing there and all across this all across this mosque they have a picture of this writing and um one of the things that they say is it says On the south side, on the outer arcade, it reads, He begetteth not, nor was begotten. It actually reads, He begetteth not, nor was he begotten. On the south arcade is what it says in Arabic. So what that's telling me is, is we are not in fellowship. Because John, if you read John's letter here, He declares clearly that he begat and the son was begotten. And makes it very clear. And so, whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So if you run into a person and he does not hold this confession... That Jesus is begotten of God. He is not of God, the Bible says. Now, if you can trace human history out, and using or invoking the name of God has been in fashion, and it's fallen out of fashion. You know, during the, during the days when, you know, they were getting turned on by evolution and stuff like that, the, the scholars, it wasn't trendy to say, to use the name of God at all. They were atheists. They didn't believe in God. And then, you know, you have another, you know, another period of human history and you hear people saying God all the time. I think right now, like I said last week, we're in that time where it's, it's quite trendy to say God. You know, at the awards show, they always say God. The sports people, they say God. But who are they talking about? You know, do they believe that Jesus is begotten? Because there's a lot of people in the world 
saying the name of God. But what we must hold dear to is the name of Jesus. Because look, now look what verse 2 says. It says, now by this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So you got some people out there that say, oh, I love God. You believe in God? Oh, yeah, I believe in God. I love God. Do you go to church? Oh, no, 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 we don't go to church. But you love God? Yeah, we love God. You go to church? No, we don't go to church. Why don't you go to church? Ah, and those them Christians, them church people, we just, we don't, we, we don't get along with those guys. We don't, we don't, you know, they're, they're hypocrites. They're this, they're that. They, they, you know, but we love God. Okay, so what you're saying is, <coughs> you love God, but you don't love his people. You love God, but you don't love his people. Can you actually love God and not love his people? Verse 2 says no. Verse 2 says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God. So the result of actually loving God is is you love God's children. Amen? And we are his children. Okay? That's why we must always, no matter how bad the church is flawed, and and I always say, any church I've ever been to is flawed because I'm in it. Okay? Any church that you belong to is flawed because you're in it. All right? And we must keep a pure love for the church no matter how much problems it has. Because it's God's people. And we must, and the end result is you love to be with God's people. So, don't say that you love God, but you don't love the church. The two don't mix. So, and he says, we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. They're not grievous. The commandments of God are not grievous. They're not burdensome. They're not heavy. You know, that grievous is like... They don't, oh, man, oh, man, I got to do this for God. That is not how it works. Go over to Matthew eleven thirty. praise God. There's a lot of joy in here tonight, hallelujah. Matthew eleven thirty. Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. I hope you guys got your Bible thumbs in out tonight, and you're ready to flip to some scriptures. Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, say amen when you're there. Those of you that are using electronics, we think you're still saved. I'm just kidding. I guarantee they got to that reference faster than I did. Matthew 11.30. Let's start at verse 28. We're talking about the commandments of God. They're not grievous or burdensome or heavy. Verse 28. Jesus speaking here says, Come unto me, all ye that are labor." And are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Look at verse 30. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, says the Lord. You know, when you think about a yoke... 
Webster says that a yoke is the means by which two are joined. The yoke is a means by which two are joined. You know, when you have a yoke, they used to take oxen, and they'd be the device that puts the oxen together. All right? And when I read this, Jesus is saying, yoke up with me. Yoke up with me. You know, Jesus said, I will send you the what? The comforter. What does comforter mean? It means to come alongside of. The Greek there is parakletos, para like parallel, kletos. Come alongside of. You know, Jesus is inviting us into a divine partnership here when he says, take my yoke upon you. He wants to walk side by side with us through the Holy Spirit. Amen. He wants us to be side by side with him, walking along with us. He wants a divine partnership with his people, with you individually. That's amazing. You know, I like it because, you know, Jesus said, take on my yoke. But you know, the devil, he's got a chain game. How many of y'all know what a chain game is? You remember the chain game where they're all chained together at the ankle and there's a big line of them with a big weight at the end of it, all right? God hadn't called us to be in a chain game. You know, he, he, he broke my chains. He, he broke me free from that chain game of sin and death and bondage, amen? And what he did was, is he said, take on my yoke. Let my burden. What's that, brother? Well, he does say that, take up your cross and follow me. He was talking about there, when he said that, Jeff, he was, he was talking about not loving our lives unto death. In other words, we're completely surrendered. And so there could be a parallel there, you know, because we're coming alongside of him there. But he said, take my yoke upon you. And I love this. Learn of me. How do we come alongside? How do we take up? How do we let the yoke of Christ come upon us? We have to learn of him. That's what we're doing tonight. This word is him. You know, Jesus told the Pharisees, he says, you do err in the scriptures. For in them you think you have life, but they testify of me. This whole book is about a man. This whole book's about a person. And we learn of him by getting into this precious book. Amen. And one of the things that Jesus declared about himself here is he says, I'm meek and lowly in heart. And boy, do I need to learn of Jesus when it comes to this. Because meek means not easily provoked or irritated. You know, Jesus is not easily irritated. I need to learn of him. I need to learn of Jesus, man. I get irritated over the most stupid stuff. Man, he said, meek, he said, learn of me, for I am not easily provoked or irritated. Learn of me, for I am given to forbearance under injury. Forbearance under injury. Anybody ever smash their thumb with a hammer? Did you express meekness in that time of pain? 
I forgot I left the Navy 20 years ago. Man. But I'll tell you, we can get there because he says, he, he challenges us. I don't believe that Jesus has ever asked us to do something that it, we're not, that not, that we can't do it, that we're not, can't accomplish it. Amen. Praise God. Brother Clark, you got something to say? Comment, sir. Mm. The lead. What's it called? Mm-hmm. Wow. Carries the burden. He's the stronger one. Yep, that's good stuff, brother. Amen. You know, in the book of, in the gospels, they portray, each gospel portrays a, an image or a creature. And the gospel of Mark is considered the gospel of the servant or the image of that is the ox. John is the eagle. Matthew is the lion and Luke is the man. And, um, these are the images and they talk about the faces of the, um, the angels in heaven, in Ezekiel, he has a vision of the four-faced creatures. And each gospel has an image of those faces. And we have the eagle, the ox, the man, and the lion. And Mark is considered the gospel of the ox or the servant. And so it's pretty cool to read that in context of what you've just shared there, Clark. And based on what Jesus said here, he says, take on my yoke. So... um so he says here, he's meek and he's lowly in heart. You know, the word lowly in heart means he is free from pride. Free from pride. Lowly in heart, free from pride. That's where pride starts in the heart. He says, I'm lowly in heart. Lowliness starts in the heart. All these things that he's on about, they begin within our heart. Jesus taught us that from the heart flow the issues of life. Amen. A lot of these things, these problems that people say they have, like they have in verse 28, people that labor and are heavy laden. That is not just speaking of a physical labor. That's speaking of mental exhaustion. Is that a word? Exhaustion? Ruth, is that a word? Exhaustion. Mental. To be mentally exhausted. That the pressures of life just wear a person's mind down. And Jesus says, learn of me. Learn of me. Satan has a chain gain, but we are yoked with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. A divine partnership. He is the comforter. The parakletos, to come alongside of. John 14, 16 tells us, I will send you the comforter. Look at Philippians 2, 5. Let's go there real fast. Talking about the meekness and lowliness of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. 
Say amen when you're there. Chapter 2, verse 5, Philippians. Remember, in the New Testament, we have letters. And Sister Sister Linda helped me with this. Uh, God's Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. God's Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Because I could never find Philippians. And it's the power. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All right? So we're in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Okay? Now, there's two ways of looking at that. One, that the Trinity has no problem with Jesus being God. Man does. People do. After, you know, in the first century, the church could not handle Jesus being divine. They started coming up with philosophies on why Jesus was not God. And we'll talk about a few of those, but they're pretty crazy. All right? Um, who being in the form of God, that word form is morphe. It's the, it's the form by which a person or thing strikes the vision or the external appearance, okay? What did Jesus tell the disciples? Show us the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because he was the morphe. He was the express image. He was the form of God. And we don't need to see another. We don't need to look for another. He is the image of God, amen? And it is enough. And it satisfies, amen? I'm satisfied with Jesus. I don't need another. Now, he said, the other thing is, is he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. In other words, he who was God is God, did not think he was getting robbed by putting off glory and coming down and humbling himself as a man. He didn't think he was getting a raw deal. He didn't think he was getting robbed of his glory or of his position or of his deity. But look what verse 7 says. But he made himself of no reputation. He was a man of no reputation. And by the wise, considered a fool when he spoke about faith and forgiveness when the strongest arms ruled. But this man of no reputation, he loved the weak with relentless affection. And he called all those poor in spirit, come just as you are to the man of no reputation. And that's what he made himself. He wasn't in a popular popularity contest. He says, and he took upon him the form of a what? Servant. There it is. The book of Mark. The oxen. And he was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even... The death of the cross. Now look at the downward progression there. First, he was in the form of God. 
He made himself of no reputation. So he took on his glory. He put off his glory. Then he took on the form of a servant. He is a king, but he took on the form of a servant. And the next thing he did is he put on the likeness of man. He put on flesh. He took on skin. He took on skin. And in being found in fashion as a man, if it wasn't bad enough that he became a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And if it wasn't enough that he put on flesh and that he had to die and feel the pain of a man, that he actually died as a criminal. He wasn't a criminal, but it wasn't enough that he died. But he died, that says, even the death of the cross. What was the death of the cross? The cross was capital punishment for criminals in that era of time. So we go from the sovereign creator to the accused criminal. That's meekness. That's learn of me. When I get to church and somebody's moved my microphone stand six inches and I get an attitude, God help me. I mean, God help me. God help the church feuds that people have argued over what paint they're going to color the walls or what pew they paid for or what fixtures they've purchased. God help me, Jesus. When you read these verses... And you see how Jesus responded. It makes the things that we consider important completely mute. Completely mute, man. Amen? Now, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and has given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Praise God. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. When I read that, the devil and his angels are going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. They're not going to argue. They're not going to argue. Why? Because he created them. Colossians tells us that he created all things. Jesus ain't the brother of the devil, as some ignorant religions would have us to think. He's not the brother of Lucifer. Now, so that is just a beautiful picture of Christ humbling himself coming to earth. He put off a lot. And, you know, in the death of the cross, that's an important thing to think about. Because, you know, they died on, when they died on the cross, do you know how what actually killed them? Suffocation. Has anybody ever been, some people say that drowning is one of the worst ways to go. Suffocating. Jesus suffocated. That was the way they said. But I don't think he suffocated. I'm going to reverse that. Because Jesus said, what did he say? I'm going to take that back. Can I, get a, can, I get a, can I get a mulligan? Can I get a mulligan on that statement? Because I got, as soon as it came out of my mouth, man, I was like, well, that ain't right. The cross, the method of, that, that was intended to bring death was suffocation. 
But what did Jesus say? It is finished. And he looked into Father and he said, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Because what did he tell Pilate when he said, Why aren't you? Don't you know that I have the power to save you? And Jesus said, I have the power to lay my life down and I have the power to take it up. Amen. And I believe that Jesus, when he knew that sin was that the forgiveness of sin was accomplished and he said, it is finished to telestai debt paid in full. He said, time to go. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, amen. He even had the authority to command his spirit when to leave his body. And because Sabbath was approaching, they were afraid they couldn't leave the guys on the cross overnight. And so to, to, to hurry up the process of the suffocation, because what would happen is, is when they were hanging there, that the lungs would press And they couldn't breathe. And then they had a little step that they nailed their feet to. This is gruesome, isn't it? I can't believe. I mean, man was just when you think about mankind, how he's treated. It's just unbelievable. But there was a step at the bottom of the cross that their feet were on. And that's where the nail went into. And every now and then they could push up on that step to get a breath. And then they come back down and they just begin to slowly just suffocate and then they push themselves back up and they come back down and so what they did was is they broke their legs so that they could not they couldn't push up anymore they broke their legs and um my god let's go there real fast i'm gonna get you there hold on i think i wrote it down here somewhere i know i did um it's in, um, where was I at? Philippians. Uh, let's go to John. It's in the back of John somewhere, the back, last part of John. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hallelujah, man. Hallelujah. And, uh, There it is. Verse 31 of chapter 19. Yeah, but you know something? Um, I want you to take note of something here for a second, okay? It says in verse 26... When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by, whom he loved. Okay, John never referred to himself in his, in his, in his self. He never self-referenced himself. He referenced himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Amen. That's a cool way of doing it. But this is John here. This is John, the same guy that wrote this book, the same guy that wrote the epistle of John. He says, whom he loved... And he said, this Jesus said, he said unto his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his home. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, 
that the scriptures might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with the vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he what? Gave up the ghost. He gave it up. Who gave it up? He gave it up. Did the centurions take it? No. He gave it up. He gave it up. He gave his life. Amen. He gave his life. Jesus gave his life. No bone was broken, brother. Look at verse 31. Now the Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for the Sabbath day was a, a high, was in a high day, they besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So then came the soldiers and they broke the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they broke not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side forthwith and came there out blood and water. And he saw, and he that saw it bear record, and his record is true. Who saw it? Who saw the blood and water come out? John saw the blood and water come out. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true, and he knows that he says it is true that you might believe. All right? Now, here's the deal. When you, when you have water come out, I've been told that you have, there's medical profession, professionals here, but when water comes out, it has to do with the heart, doesn't it, Lee? When the, when the heart goes, the, the heart will fill up with a fluid, can you expound? Mm. So the blood and the water separate? Huh. And that only happens when you die, right? Now, does that only happen when the person's dead? Exactly. Exactly. Because, see, the people later on were trying to say that Jesus never died. <laughs> what do they call it, Pastor? Swooned. He swooned. I don't know where they come up with this stuff. I don't know where they come up with this stuff. They just make stuff up. He swooned. He fainted. Brother, when you faint, blood and water don't come gushing out your side. You're dead, okay? Now, and John's saying here, I was a witness. I saw the blood and the water come out of Jesus' side. I saw how the centurions treated the other two thieves, and I saw how they responded to Jesus. It also says there was a centurion, and one gospel said, the centurion said, Surely this is the son of God. That guy saw a lot of people die, man. He saw a lot of screaming, a lot of, a lot of whimpering, a whole lot of things you see on the cross. He had never seen a guy die like that. He said, man, this is the son of God. So, verse 36, same chapter, 
For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled, which says, a bone of him shall not be broken, according to the Psalms. And again, in verse 37, another scripture said, they shall look upon him whom they pierced. They pierced his side. Amen. Now, that was a great uh, segue into what the next part of the chapter that we're studying is talking about. My gosh, it's almost that we're almost out of time. Man, I can't believe where the time flies. Yes, sir. <coughs> Psalm. Exactly. Thank you, Pastor. Take a note. Put a reference there next to your Bible there. John 19, cross-reference it to Psalm 22, the Messianic Psalm. Now, now he says this, verse 4 of chapter 5, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our what? Our faith. What overcomes the world? Our faith. What is the world? The cosmos? The systems of this world? How do we escape? We don't just escape. The Bible says we subdue. That word overcome means to subdue, take captive, overpower. You know, Jesus said, the gates of Hades shall not prevail. I've never seen gates chase anybody. People are running from the gates of hell like, oh, the, the gates of hell are pursuing me. Like the, no, you know what a gate does? A gate is a barrier. And when we come busting through that barrier, they will not prevail against us. When we come into the powers of darkness, we press through the gates and they're not going to be like, you know, you see some of these cartoons where they take a battering ram, they're like, you know, because they didn't get nowhere. No, you're not, that's not happening. <laughs> 